To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Please stand clear of the doors. For favor, Hello and welcome to Miles from Main Street, your far from Disney podcast. My name is Mikhailo. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Disney World. But especially coping away from Disney. Which we know a lot about being from the Midwest. Today we're going to talk about Hollywood Studios, my favorite park. We'll be covering some planning tips, reviews, current events, coping strategies, and even a little history while we're at it. So, Hollywood Studios. I say my favorite park because I'd have to say Hollywood Studios is currently my favorite park. I know I said my favorite park last week about Epcot, and I would have to say Epcot's my, like, it's my home park. It's definitely the the park that I feel at home at. Uh, But when it comes to rides and experiences and the whole park actually being finished, honestly... (laughs) Uh, Hollywood Studios is definitely my favorite right now. Yeah, unfortunately, I have not been there since all the work got done. We were there right before Toy Story Land opened, and we were there right before Galaxy's Edge opened. <laughs> so we haven't been there since all that got done. We The last two trips we took, we skipped out. So uh, sure, it's my favorite park. So I actually missed out on Rise of the Resistance when I first went because it wasn't even open yet. Um, I went back uh, Thanksgiving last year. So I, I didn't even get to go on Rise of the Resistance. And my plan was, before COVID hit, was to go in October of 2020 uh, and hit Rise of the Resistance uh, now that it's finally open. But plans changed and COVID happened and... All that stuff. So that's that's one part of Hollywood Studios that I haven't actually done yet. But I was able to go to Toy Story Land and and Galaxy's Edge, and uh, I was able to experience all of those things, uh, along with all of my favorite rides at Hollywood Studios too. So it was uh, it was a pretty great trip. Yeah, I've I've always loved going to the studios, MGM studios and it's been one of my favorite parks uh but it's hard for me to say that right now with not being there since all this new work got done uh doing tower of terror and rock and roller coaster is always a highlight for us and i was able to do a lot of the shows they have some great shows that i was able to get to uh, that's the last time we were in the park. That was 2016, though. So it's hard to really know exactly what the park feels like today for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and to be honest, most of what was there already, uh, it's pretty much pretty much the same. It's it's most of what was taken out for Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land. That's different, obviously. Uh, everything else feels pretty much the same it's that same old hollywood studios that we know and love when we were on our honeymoon we got to i remember going um to the to the american idol 
uh, experience, we were able to do a tour of the studio, the actual working studio they had there. And that was some of the stuff that we really enjoyed. The backlot tour, I remember that being so cool and getting to see some of the things that they do on a set. I thought that was a lot of fun in that park. Uh, and I miss some of that now. Yeah, talking about that American Idol experience, when I went to Hollywood Studios several years ago, when that was still a thing, my sister actually did that and was selected to sing in the the American Idol experience. And she, I think she took like second place or something like that to uh, this other girl. Uh, Little did those people know that later Disney was going to be employing my sister to be on the national tour of Frozen. So (laughs) knowing that they might've given her a better score, but (laughs) she took, she took second place at the American Idol experience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I said uh, American Idol experience, but what I meant was how to be a millionaire. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. This was because I'm sorry. My honeymoon was in 2002. So this Mm, is pre-American Idol and I misspoke. It was, it was, it's in the same spot though, right? Yeah. It was the same, same uh, venue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and right now that's the, the frozen show. So we have some planning tips for you guys. We're going to talk about the Galaxy's Edge boarding pass for Rise of the Resistance. Uh, I actually don't know too much about the boarding pass. I know that there's two different groups and you have to be in the park before you can actually join these uh, boarding groups. Uh, But other than that, I don't know too terribly much. So Brian is going to walk us through exactly what you need to do uh, for these boarding passes. We should probably preface that neither one of us have actually gone through the process because mm-hmm. neither one of us have had the opportunity to get there yet. Mm-hmm. But from the research that I've done and the videos I've watched, uh, you need to be in the park. So right now, currently, it's a 10 a.m. or a 2 p.m. Uh, boarding pass uh, set up like, to get in there and try to win the lottery with it because that's what it sounds sounds like is that it's mostly a lottery pick. Uh, But from what I've been told, what I've seen is that you want to be on your app, have everything ready to go all. So that means your friends and family need to be set up with everybody that's in your party so that you don't have to mess with it when it's time to actually get your boarding group. So you want to have all that ready to go and a minute or two before 10 o'clock, you want to be in there and you want to be refreshing, constantly refreshing so that when that join button pops up, you will be there right away and you can hit that button immediately so that you can get in. <clears throat> the, uh, the information I'm seeing is Disney's going to tell you, you need to be in the park. From everything I've seen, some people will say, be in the front of the park it's not going to be as busy with people and there's a stronger signal there other people say you're going to get a better chance at it if you're actually in galaxy's edge i've watched videos of people sitting on sunset boulevard and getting it at that point um so i think it's all 
a matter of how quickly your device can get into the system. Uh, and I've also, Wi-Fi could be good, data could be good using your mobile data. It's hard to tell. Most of the people I've seen have said, use your mobile data, but I think it may also depend on your carrier. Yeah, I know in the parks for me, uh, I never get on that Wi-Fi because uh, a lot of people like to complain about that Wi-Fi. And my my carrier's Verizon, and I've always had really great reception in the parks. But I have heard that all of the Disney apps themselves work better when you're on the Disney Wi-Fi. Uh, I've, I have heard people say that before. And I have... I have always had bad luck using the Wi-Fi um, unless I'm in my room just relaxing or something. It seems to be okay. <laughs> yeah. But when I'm work going around the parks, they seem to move pretty slow for me. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that seems like a pretty good overview of what you need to do for those boarding passes. Um... The nice thing now is that they're allowing you a second chance but you can't always rely on that second chance just because mm -hmm. you don't get to the park at 10 o'clock doesn't mean that you're going to have a chance at two. So if the ride goes down, which still happens quite a bit as mm -hmm. they're trying to work through this uh, new technology, um, if you are not there at 10 o'clock, it may go down during the day and they don't get to everybody at 10 o'clock and they're not able to even offer anything at two. Mm -hmm. So you need to be aware of that because that's something that could happen to you. Yeah. And, and it kind of makes me think about if I were to take a trip, it would be a, a pretty important trip for me because being uh, a Disney nerd myself, I would want everything to, to go out perfect because that's usually how I plan stuff is making sure everything's planned and everything goes off with a hitch with which nothing ever really does but <laughs> you you learn to to go with the punches but that would be honestly that would be pretty devastating the the one ride that i would really be going to disney for and not being able to get on it would be would be pretty terrible for me so it's just kind of i mean it's it's like you you're rolling the dice with it um and it's it's kind of hard to to go through go through it like that. So yeah, and it's unfortunate that it's so limited on riders right now because mm -hmm. it's so popular. And you know, thankfully, it's not something like haunted mansion. You know, like if you were to go and that's the one ride you want to get on, and it's down, some people are going to be pretty upset. Oh, and yeah, I'm definitely. sure I'm sure there are people like that with rise of resistance resistance too but mm -hmm. it, so it's too bad that it's that way yeah great so that's a good overview of the boarding pass process next we have reviewing so today we're actually going to try to take a stab at reviewing a restaurant uh that's pretty pretty exciting uh we're going to be reviewing mama melrose and uh brian hasn't actually been to Mama Melrose yet. I say yet because you should go. Uh, but uh, on my most recent trip, I was able to get to Mama Melrose and I had a pretty great time. So uh, I'll kind of talk about what we did. And 
I'll kind of go into the planning uh, of this because I actually, there were a couple other places I was thinking about going in the parks, uh, Brown Derby being one of them, because that would just be awesome if I was able to get a reservation at Brown Derby. Uh, but for the time that we wanted to go and uh, the day that we wanted to go, there was, there was nothing open for Brown Derby. Um, and I think there were, there were a couple other restaurants we were looking at. Um, so you, you, got, you guys just have to make sure that if you have a restaurant you really want to go to, uh, and it wasn't really a deal breaker for us. Mama Melrose was still kind of up there in the list that we wanted to go to. Uh, but make sure to get these reservations in early, like the earliest that you can. So if you want to go to places like Le Cellier, which is another place that I was trying to get at Epcot and couldn't get, although that was on Thanksgiving Day. So, But just make sure that you get these reservations in early. But Mama Melrose was a great experience. So Mama Melrose is a, an Italian restaurant at Hollywood Studios. And it's very, the inside looks very traditional Italian. There's foliage on the walls and there's those uh, vases and jars and stuff kind of everywhere. So it, the ambiance is very cool. Um, it's located nice. kind of over by, it's located over by the Muppets Theater. Uh, kind of in that, like the Muppet Land area. Uh, so it's pretty cool. It's, it's like kind of connected to Pizza Rizzo. Exactly. Yeah. It's like around, the, yeah, it's around the corner from Pizza Rizzo. So the food I had read online, and this is another cool thing that we can talk about being, being from the Midwest and that's kind of our gimmick. We don't really get to go out very often. So we do a lot of reading online and watching reviews like this. So I read online that it was kind of Olive Garden style food, which I was very okay with because I'm an Olive Garden fan. Like I'll, I'll eat Olive Garden whenever. Like, Olive Garden is on point for me. Um, but that's what I was hearing from people. Uh, and it was never in like a bad way, but it, it was kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like Olive Garden because everybody always expects a lot from a Disney dinner. So going in, I kind of knew that. And um, the place was packed and we had to wait. Even Even from checking in, we had to wait a good like 20, 30 minutes before we were seated. So that is actually pretty typical, even with um, when you make reservations beforehand. Um, I think the only place that we didn't have to wait, actually, no, we, we, we waited everywhere. So I'll just take that out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, ser the service was great. The, the place was a little packed. Um, but the service was great. Our, our server was, was awesome. We, we asked him about what, what was good on the menu. Um, he suggested the spaghetti and meatball because it's a single ball. It's just like a giant meatball. Um, and, uh, I've always wanted something like that. I'm going to have to get there just for that. Yeah. That sounds delicious. Yeah. That's, that's what I had. And it was, it was pretty good. Um, and you, I was kind of worried because it's pretty easy to make very kind of like cafeteria style spaghetti. Like it's, it's pretty easy for, for places to do that and for people to be like totally okay with it. Um, but this was, this had a little bite to it. This had a little more oomph 
in the spaghetti. Um, and I was pretty happy about that. I, I would honestly, for Mama Melrose, I'd put it probably a step over Olive Garden, um, even on ambiance alone, because the ambiance was great. Um, and it felt like, it honestly felt like, like, a, like a New York style restaurant, like something that you'd find in like the streets of New York. Um, so yeah, I would, I would definitely, I would, uh, two thumbs up for Mama Melrose. I would definitely recommend Mama Melrose, uh, the next time you're at Hollywood studios. Well, that sounds pretty awesome. Mikhailo. I'm going to definitely have to get over there and give them a try. When we go, we typically don't, I don't know why we typically don't go for Italian while we're down there. It's usually some of the, um, you know, steaks and bigger dinner type places. And so it's great to hear that. I'm going to have to go and check that out. Yeah, I can. I honestly, I do the same thing too. When I'm down there, I kind of look for not like the best bang for your buck. Cause I'll, we'll go to, we've gone to boathouse before and that's some expensive food. Uh, it's all c- totally delicious. The steak Oscar style. Oh, very good. But I kind of do the same thing where I'm, I'm looking for kind of the best restaurant I can get while I'm down there because I know just the food and the restaurants out in Disney are, are so great and they have so many, so many good places to go. Um, but Mama Melrose definitely, definitely is on that list now for me. So we got some news stories for you. Mine is pretty, pretty generic, honestly. Um, holiday parties around Disney World are canceled. Both not so scary and Mickey's very merry Christmas party. And at Epcot, the candlelight processional, those are all canceled. And kind of reading up on this, it sounds like not only are times kind of like when these events happen, uh, usually timing is an issue and park capacity is an issue. That's Those are kind of the the issues that Disney brought up for canceling uh, these events. It's really sad that we don't get to have these celebrations. I look forward to the processional every year. I know that there are a lot of people that look forward to the candlelight processional every year. And they have produced a video of it the last two years. So I'm definitely going to be going to find that this year just so that I can relive some of that it's a great production Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's too bad um i when they first announced that the halloween party was not going to be happening i kind of was like yeah i understand because and it's the same thing with the christmas party what what are these parties it's a parade it's a show and it's fireworks and and meet and greets i gotta throw that in there too Mm-hmm. So those are all items that people are going to flock to mm-hmm. and you can't have that right now. So it, it makes sense to me that they can't do that. And while it's still sad, it's too bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I, I totally agree too. It's best for Disney to, especially now with everything that's going on and how well they are handling people being back in the parks just kind of stick to what they've been doing and then what they're doing well i hear so many times from 
from people who live out there that they feel the safest in public when they're at Disney World, uh, which is which is pretty awesome for for Disney to be honest, especially being in Florida and kind of being in that area that was hit pretty hard by COVID. So so that's definitely good to hear, and it makes a lot of sense that they don't want they don't want to change things up right now while things are going well and while they're doing such a good job of keeping people safe and keeping people feeling safe. But we do have to applaud Disney at the same time because they've lost a lot of money over the last six, eight months. And they've been open for two months. They're not meeting their capacity goals. And they've chosen not to have these parties, which is another stream of income that they're losing. And for them to stick to their guns and say, no, we got to keep at this the way we are going to keep everybody safe. Safety has always been their number one priority. And we, I applaud them for prioritizing that over, uh, over the money, over making the mighty dollar. Yeah, definitely. And, and I hear sometimes from other people saying that Disney, they do a lot of cash grabbing where it's like, if they can, charge people to stand in a certain area for a parade that they'll 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 do it and stuff like that and charging people to show up for uh a little bit of a buffet and a meet and greet they'll they'll do it and this this is definitely not a step in the right direction because i think they've always had people's safety and people's well-being in mind just kind of showing that that in these really important times of keeping people safe and having people's best wishes in mind that they're they're doing the right thing. So going along with holiday parties, Brian who is a member of D23 has something to talk about the Halloween hullabaloo. Yes, well being away from Disney, as far away as we are, um, D23 has been a wonderful resource for me. Uh, They just announced that they're going to be doing a Halloween hullabaloo, which will include, among other things, a virtual costume contest that will be uh, a virtual costume contest that will be judged by Ashley Eckstein and Yvette Brown. So that's something that if you're into costumes, You've got until the end of October to enter and get into that. Uh, they'll also have a draw, a random drawing that they like to do a lot of those where you can just win something by signing up. All of this is available through the free membership. Anyone can get in to D23 and be a free member. It's easy enough to do. You'll get their uh, email newsletter and uh, access to the news articles on their site. Well, I kind of want to talk about who's naming stuff in the Disney company, Halloween Hullabaloo, and stuff like like Eat to the Beat. That's great. And then uh, wasn't there something called, or actually it still might be a thing, um, like Dance It, Mouse Could Dance It or something like that? Move it, shake it, mouse could dance it. Move it, shake it, mouse could dance it. Who's on, naming Mikhailo. who's naming this stuff out at Disney because they deserve a medal? <laughs> <laughs> D23 
Disney's got the hardest working marketing department in the country, man. They just read that Disney Parks blog, and they've got all the wordsmiths in there. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the little thing I wanted to point out. Um, And yeah, D23 sounds like the cat's meow at this point right now for me because I just love being feeling like I have a good outlet for Disney. And I've always kind of been, I've always been interested in joining D23 and like really kind of having a reason to join D23 because I've always seen it as like, I've always wanted to go out to Anaheim and, and go to the, the D23 convention that that's just like a dream of mine. Um, but now kind of hearing from you, all of these different things that are associated with D23, especially now with people staying home and, and them having all these cool Disney resources, sounds like maybe something I want to sign up for. Yeah, being a gold member has been great uh, these last few months. They uh, typically in the past, now I've been a gold member for going on three years here. And uh, typically in the past, they've offered a lot of uh, events where you will either go to Florida or you will go to California and you will get some sort of experience and then they plus it somehow with a guest and a gift. And it's usually pretty pricey to get into some of those items. Uh, We tried a couple of years ago to do a trip to Marceline because it was closer and uh, that was still, I think, $300 a person plus a night stay in a hotel. And so that you, and you had to either, you didn't have to stay in the hotel, but you had to be at that hotel at 7 in the morning mm. to catch the bus to Marceline. But anyway, I digress. The, uh, the membership has been worth it for me for the content I've been able to get access to online, uh, albeit small but also the magazine uh, that I get as part of it. The magazine is a very large prestige style type of magazine mm-hmm. that uh, has wonderful pictures and wonderful content as far as me being interested in the history, it has a lot of great history in it. And it also, it, it'll talk about upcoming movies. It'll talk about things going on in the parks. It really keeps you connected. And those come out quarterly. So in four, in uh, and those come out quarterly. So you're going to get four of them for your membership on your mm. annual fee. Uh, but yeah, so getting back to staying at home, it's been great. We've watched two virtual. Uh, I guess they're kind of virtual, but they're pre-recorded. Uh, two different types of things. One was a documentary about the archives the Disney archives, which uh, Becky Klein was involved in Don Hahn, the producer behind the original Beauty and the Beast movie. And uh, so we got to go see all kinds of different things within the archives. And then they also did a, for the six, they're calling it the 65th anniversary of Disney parks because Disneyland's not open, but they had a discussion on, Disneyland and kind of what some of these parks mean with three of the Imagineers. And uh, so that was interesting. uh, And I was able to get access to that one. Um, And these are things that in the past, I was not able to see 
and I was okay with that. Uh, but now it's just plus my membership even more. Uh, my wife and I were able to take part in a trivia contest with D23 members the other night. Uh, I took 156th place or something like that oh, yeah. out of over a thousand people. You know, mm, and right, I had nine. Yeah, there was 70 questions. I had 19 wrong. Uh, and part of it was that you're trying to be fast. So you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, I think this is the answer. And you put it in as fast as you could because that's going to help your score. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a lot of fun. It was about an hour that we were able to be online doing that with other gold members. And nice. uh, you know, I I I know that this is going to continue this way. I think that the gold membership is going to become more valuable mm-hmm. as time goes on because I think they're finding that they're going to engage more fans this way. Uh, and it and maybe it helps it'll help their income stream. I don't know, but they're starting to offer pins. If you're a pin collector, they're offering pins that are exclusive to gold members only. I know there's a new another set coming up here shortly. Um, so if uh, I know Mikhailo, you've mentioned that you're interested, I wouldn't hesitate. I'd go spend the money. Oh yeah, it's it's happening pretty soon here uh just every, everything that you've said that's all stuff that i would 100 percent be 100 percent be interested in um because i'm i'm online all the time trying to intake disney content and getting it straight from disney is definitely the way to go uh and talking about that the disney archive stuff that all sounds sounds so cool i've i've heard from certain certain people that they've been to the archives before and they've just seen some things that have brought them to tears so that sounds very interesting and definitely something that i would want to check out um but yeah i'm i'm online all the time looking up disney content and disney merchandise and stuff like that just recently i was on shop disney which is bad for me because i will spend money on shop disney (laughs) oh man um but recently and uh i think it was actually a couple weeks ago because i've I've, uh, already had it sent to me uh the haunted mansion talking jars with i think they're like soul jars um they went on sale for i think like 22 25 bucks usually these are like 70 bucks in the parks so i jumped on that pretty hard and it was it's something that i've seen in the parks that i always thought was pretty cool and it would be a cool thing to kind of like put in your house and like cool keepsake but i could never really really justify buying it in the parks or something like that until i saw it online for for 22 dollars, and so i i jumped on that pretty fast but so did a lot of other people. <laughs> I wanted the hat box ghost because they had a hack box jo- ghost jar, but that, that was the first one to sell out. And so uh, I actually went with the sea captain, which if you know anything about haunted mansion history, that's, that was the original idea was a haunted house based on a sea captain. So I think that's pretty neat that I have a jar that's kind of based more on haunted mansion history than what's actually in there. 
So I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, Shop Disney is very dangerous. We've we've made a few different purchases recently that you know we've justified it one way or another, but you know, <laughs> still once you get the stuff, it's like, yeah, we just spent some money we probably shouldn't have, but oh well, it's still fun. Um, we case in point, uh, I logged on one day and they were having a big sale, one of their twice upon a year sales. Mm-hmm. And if you spent $25 that day, they would send you a free key. I don't know if you've seen these keys, Mikhailo. Oh yeah. I've seen the keys. <laughs> the Disney store opening key type thing. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, these things are pretty cool. And so I was able to get my daughter in January to a Disney store. Actually, the whole family was there, but my daughter was chosen to open the store one morning. And so she received the key for that day. Wow. And so we have one of those, and that's kind of sparked my interest in these things. So on May the 4th, they had a sale that shut down their website, basically, <laughs> for a Star Wars key. And I was able to get one of those, uh, and the, it's pretty awesome. The they're really made well. Uh, I picked up uh, in the sale the other a couple weeks ago the uh, ink and paint key, mm. uh, which is after one of the collections that they recently put out, the ink and paint collection. Um, so that one we just received uh, a couple of days ago, actually. Nice. And it's really cool, nice and colorful. Uh, and so they actually just did another one this week for Pluto for his 90th anniversary. And right before we jumped on to record Mikhailo, I was able to make that purchase of that Pluto key. So nice. Yeah. I, uh, you know, they say once you have three, you have a collection. Well, now I'm up to four. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if that's accurate, I've, I've wanted to start collecting and I've actually, I mean, I've kind of started collecting spirit jerseys to go off of your, collecting for uh three is a collection i only have two because i went after COVID hit i went online of course and bought a bunch of disney merchandise and one of the things i bought was the disneyland gray spirit jersey hoodie because i think that's awesome uh to have a spirit jersey that actually has a hood on it because i love hoodies so i've got two so far and it sounds like i need to get a third (laughs) Because then I'll have a collection. And what happens when you have a collection? You're always worried about the next one. I, and it's already happening. I've been looking at the Hoth spirit jersey. I've been looking at the new Halloween spirit jerseys. Those all look really cool. So it's, it's already happening. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So now we're going to jump into our little history lesson with Brian, our history buff here. Brian, what you got? What do you got for us? Yeah, so history of the studios. Well, I kind of had trouble with where to go with this one. Uh, this this little park started just as that, just a little park. At first, they wanted to just create a backlot tour. Uh, if I could jump back a little bit, this is when Michael Eisner was in his heyday. He was building parks left and right. He was adding things. Uh, As they say in the Imagineering story, he was flush with cash at the time. (laughs) So 
he had, you know, kind of everything behind him saying, do whatever, do whatever you got to do. So he had been given this idea of a backlot tour. And he said, that's a great idea to have something revolved around the studios. Why don't we make it a park? So with all of this cash that he had in his pocket, he was kind of given the green light to go ahead and do whatever he was going to do. And there were even articles coming out at the time. Everything Eisner touches turns to gold. So he, uh, he went ahead with this backlot tour idea and they started building a park. The initial idea was this park was only going to be a half day park, just a small little compliment to the other two parks. But then every time Eisner would go to wet enterprises, which is what Imagineering was at that time, anytime he would go to visit, he'd add another idea or somebody else would pitch a new idea and you'd say, let's do it. And before they knew it, they had a park that was much larger than the half day park they had originally thought it was going to be. Uh, he insisted though, that it also be a working studio. There were uh, movies and TV shows that were filmed there. And the one thing that I always like to go back to because I saw some of the work being done when we were on that honeymoon and touring the animation studio there, they did all of Lilo and Stitch in the Florida studio. It was, Mm. that was the first movie Disney had done that was not done in California. Wow. Yes. So I always like to go and, and do that. Or I was, Yeah, so I always like to think about that when I'm at the park, and that's part of the reason why I miss that part of the of the park that they took that away. But yeah, <laughs> so now you know the the park has changed a lot. It's moved into the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's the Toy Story Land that has been built. It's really gone from being a studio park to seeing what the what it is that goes into having a studio as more of a put you into the movie type of park. And I think you get that in a lot of these rides that were already there and the changes they've made recently brings you into the movie now instead of just seeing what it takes to make a movie. Yeah, and I think that was kind of I don't know why back back when this park first opened in 89, that was kind of the thing. Like people loved the glitz and glitter of Hollywood and how movies are made and how all of this stuff happens. Um and now it's kind of more about like immersion. Like people want to be they don't want to be on a movie set. They want to be in Pandora or they want to be in Star Wars or they want to be a toy uh they want to be one of Andy's toys. And uh, I, th- I think that's great. I think it's, it's kind of moved in the direction that I, that I enjoy and that I think uh, other people definitely enjoy too. The it really, it really has become a, a really interesting park. And I think it's probably increased in ten- attendance a lot. And a lot of that can come from the, the park kind of across the street there 
not across the street. It's like more like across the interstate. Um, Universal that had Harry Potter. You land. mentioned it. I know <laughs> I did. It took us a couple episodes, but we've but we've mentioned it, and it's out there. And but that uh, the park goers were really getting getting spoiled by having Harry Potter land and then Disney came out. We're making galaxy's edge and just kind of like those two upping their game. Uh, and I think that's kind of where all that came from was they wanted to have a place where you're, you were really immersed and they both kind of pushed each other to, to be doing that. Uh, and well, and it was interesting. Sorry, not to cut you off there. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, it's interesting though because without that Harry Potter deal, we would probably not have Universal Park anymore. Oh yeah. And for the longest time I, I was always thinking Disney needs to get rid of Universal. They need to do something that just puts them out of business. <laughs> and they had their shot. Harry Potter was pitched to them first. Yes. Uh and since we're in our history section give you a little bit of history. <laughs> Walt Disney, if you all remember, lost Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And ever since then, he insisted on having control. He needed to have full control. When fast forward to Joe Rowling coming to Disney, they wanted control. She wanted control. There was very much a butting head going on there. And they could not come to an agreement. Universal said, we'll give you whatever you want. They were not able to keep a thousand people a day in their park. That's how bad it was. Um, And so Harry Potter saved Universal. Now, I said at one time, I wish they would just get rid of that problem. But it's actually a good problem for them to have. (laughs) Because now we're seeing them pushing each other. It's really become well, they've got Harry Potter, we're going to do Star Wars. Well, they did Star Wars, we're going to do Nintendo. Well, now they've got Nintendo. Disney doesn't have an answer yet. COVID's kind of slowed that down. But mm-hmm. it's been really interesting watching these two go head-to-head. And I honestly think that because of that, I feel like we've been seeing so much more work being done at, at, at the parks. Like this all kind of got kicked up right around when Disney first started to do the the expansion at the back of the park for Magic Kingdom. The um, Fantasyland. Yeah, the Fantasyland expansion. And honestly, at, before then, I felt like I was barely ever actually seeing construction happening at the parks. And now it's like just about every year we have something big happening. And I think that can be contributed to Universal really up in their game and Disney having to start plus plusing everything that they everything that they have. So good problem? Definitely. <laughs> I, I would say <laughs> that it's a good problem. Yeah, and as I heard on another podcast, you know, it's a win-win for us. Oh yeah, definitely. I would completely agree. So Hollywood Studios, we kind of went over some planning tips for the boarding pass, which neither of us have done. 
So hopefully we're able to get out there and actually experience getting a boarding pass. But we gave you some, some pretty decent tips as to what to do when you get out there and trying to get that boarding pass. Yeah, and you reviewed Mama, Mama Mel Rose. I think you did a great job with that. I'm very interested and a little hungry now. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about some news. Those holiday parties are canceled. And we kind of went into the D23 Halloween hullabaloo, which actually sounds pretty great. And it's making me want to sign up for D23. I know you're going to get into it. And I can't wait to have you as a fellow member. Uh, and you know what? That led us into Shop Disney and some of the other things we do to stay connected to Disney with our wallets and buying different items. And Brian walked us through the beginning of Hollywood Studios with the Eisner era and the working studio and the back lot tour and everything. So that was great. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, you know, I, I hope to get a little more detailed with some of these history things, but as we are just getting started, I thought I'd keep things a little more introductory for mm -hmm. everybody. And so keep listening and pretty soon you'll be walking down and some of these streets and be able to say, hey, you know that little detail there? Let me give you a little lesson. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us on iTunes and subscribe. Email us at milesfrommainstreetpodcast at gmail.com with any thoughts and visit us on Facebook under Miles from Main Street. We'll be bringing more to you weekly and look forward to talking to you then. Until next week, remember, some live close, but most of us don't. So let's talk about it.